Hey, Notorious Bakersfield fans. Notorious Bakersfield, the book, is available for purchase. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll love the book. Notorious Bakersfield, the book, dives deeper into the most infamous crimes, incidents, and personalities that have shaped Bakersfield. This literary adaptation uncovers 30 astonishing true stories from Bakersfield and Kern County's last century. Notorious stories from a notorious community. To purchase your copy, go to Amazon.com or your Amazon app and search for Notorious Bakersfield, the book. This is the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. The residents along Park Avenue in East Bakersfield, across from Foothill High School, formed a close-knit community. They watched out for each other. The neighbors on either side of 89-year-old widow Martha Strayhorn were especially vigilant. They would pick up her morning paper and take it to her front door. And if they prepared food like potato salad, they made sure Martha received some. In the late afternoon of September 15, 1995, Lena Bishop went next door to Martha's house, bringing her a fruit salad she had prepared earlier. When Lena reached the back porch, she found a man standing there, someone she had seen visiting Martha occasionally. While uncertain of their exact relationship, Lena believed him to be a relative. When Lena inquired about Martha's whereabouts, this man claimed Martha had taken an unexpected trip to Arkansas to visit family. As he spoke, Lena noticed dried blood on the cement floor of the back porch. Trying to hide her shock, Lena extended her hand, offering the dish of fruit salad. She said, oh, well, you can eat the fruit salad. Lena quickly returned home to inform her husband about this odd encounter and the blood on Martha's back porch. The couple dialed 911. This is, I guess Billy is crazy. Martha and Herbert Strayhorn lived in their white clapboard house on Park Avenue for decades. The couple were originally from the South, Martha from Arkansas, Herbert from Mississippi. But they came to California when they were both in their early 20s. The couple never had any kids of their own, but did have several siblings and nieces and nephews living here in Bakersfield. Herbert retired from an oil company in the late 1970s. Then, in 1982, Herbert passed away. The widow passed her time with gardening, going to church, cooking her favorite recipes that she'd share with neighbors. One recipe she was famous for was for a raisin cream pie. As Martha aged, 
she began to suffer from the typical ailments that come with age, particularly arthritis. She had crippling arthritis. But she didn't let that hold her back. She continued driving herself to church and to the market. Her longtime neighbors, Ed and Lena Bishop, kept a close eye on Martha. Anytime she would leave to go shopping, Martha would call the bishops to let them know. Occasionally, a niece or nephew would drop by to visit Martha. She enjoyed the company of one nephew, William Neighbors. But William's son, Billy, that was a different story. Martha knew Billy was mentally unbalanced, but always believed him to be harmless. A cousin described Billy Neighbors as savant-like. His ability to retain information was remarkable. He was well-educated. He went to Bakersfield College, went on to get his bachelor's degree from Cal State Bakersfield, and even went to law school. He didn't graduate from law school, but he learned just enough to get himself into a lot of trouble pretending to be a lawyer. Matter of fact, that's one of the first things he found himself in hot water for, advertising himself as an attorney without passing the California bar exam and not being a member of the California bar. From then on, Billy Neighbor's life was a series of run-ins with Kern County authorities and rannings at Kern County Board of Supervisors meetings. He filed multiple small claims lawsuits against Kern County public officials, including judges. These lawsuits were consistently dismissed. At one point, a Kern County grand jury indicted Billy Neighbors for perjury and filing false evidence associated with these small claim lawsuits. Billy eventually pled guilty to these charges and was sentenced to probation. Within a year of that, Billy Neighbors was charged with practicing law without a license. He was sentenced to 180 days in county jail, but only served six days. Billy Neighbors' behavior and antics can best be described as nuisances until they turn violent. He sent one California lawmakers a series of letters which contained death threats. For that, Billy Neighbors was found to be insane and was sentenced to a state mental institution. But that didn't deter the mentally unstable man. While he was in this mental hospital, he forged a letter purportedly from a psychiatrist declaring himself cured. Yes, he got into trouble for that, too. He was eventually released from that mental hospital. A Kern County judge placed Billy Neighbors into a conservatorship. All of those run-ins with Kern County officials and the law occurred from about 1975 to 1980. Then, Billy Neighbors sent Prince Charles a letter claiming he hired a professional hitman to assassinate the British prince. And for that, he was sentenced to federal prison. As you can see, Billy Neighbors had a long criminal history stemming from his mental health. After being released from federal custody, 
Billy moved into and lived with his father, William Neighbors Sr. They lived on Elton Avenue, just off of Mount Vernon in East Bakersfield. Billy Neighbors' mental state was well documented by local authorities, but his reputation was also common knowledge to his family and neighbors. People tended to avoid him to keep from having to interact with him. And that was the case for Martha Strayhorn. She got along great with her nephew, William Sr., but his son, Billy, that was a different story. Martha learned the best thing to do was avoid, as much as possible, any contact with Billy. A former lawyer who represented Billy described him as a gadfly, but was essentially harmless. In the morning of September 15, 1995, next-door neighbor Lena Bishop noticed Martha's car gone. She thought that was odd because Martha typically told Lena any time she left her house. Then, in the afternoon, when the car was still gone and saw Billy Neighbors milling around, Lena decided to be a little nosy to find out where her elderly neighbor was. And that's when she had that encounter with Billy and noticed the blood on the back porch. When Kern County Sheriff's deputies arrived, Billy was already gone. Since there was blood present, the deputies had every right to enter Martha's home to check on her well-being. After searching the house, Martha was nowhere to be found. What they did find was more blood inside, and the house was in disarray. It was obvious a physical altercation had taken place inside the elderly resident's home, and her 1978 Pontiac was missing. Martha's car was later found abandoned on Pico Avenue. Inside its trunk were bloodstains. Law enforcement then descended on the Elton Avenue home Billy shared with his father. There, deputies discovered drops of blood on a walkway. Billy was detained while detectives waited for a search warrant. Once that was obtained, investigators searched inside and found nothing significant. But they did discover something of importance outside, in the backyard. They found drag marks leading to a shed. Inside the storage shed was a yellow canvas suitcase. Stuffed inside the suitcase was the body of 89-year-old Martha Strayhorn. An autopsy later revealed the elderly widow died from multiple gunshot wounds to her head and face. Billy Neighbors, her nephew's son with a long history of mental illness, was the obvious suspect. He was ultimately charged with Martha Strayhorn's homicide. On the second day of his incarceration at Lairdo Jail, Billy dictated a confession to his cellmate. Billy asked his cellmate to write down this confession, which he did. At Billy Neighbors' preliminary hearing, the cellmate was called to the witness stand to read this confession. In that note, Billy admitted to accidentally shooting Strayhorn after wrestling her throughout her Park Avenue home. 
He claimed the arthritic widow held him at gunpoint, demanding he have sex with her. Billy claimed she was trying to rape him. He said when he wrestled the gun away from her, it accidentally fired. The suspect maintained the killing was self-defense. At another hearing, Billy insisted he testify. His attorney was adamant that that would be a huge mistake. Finally, Billy relented. He said, quote, she's a lawyer and I worship her as a God rather than Jesus Christ. So I'm going to succumb to her wishes, unquote. But that didn't keep him from other outbursts. At one point, he accused his father of murdering Martha Strayhorn. His father, William Neighbors Sr., was in the audience. He reacted by stating, quote, I guess Billy really is crazy, unquote. William Billy Neighbors Jr. was found guilty for the murder of Martha Strayhorn. He was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison, with the stipulation that he serve at least 25 years before being considered for parole. The murder weapon was never recovered. After he was convicted, Billy told the court that he knew where the weapon was located. If the judge allowed him to take investigators to the gun, they could recover it, and his fingerprints wouldn't be on it, and this would somehow prove his innocence. The judge rejected this request. During my research of this story, I looked for Billy Neighbors. He's not listed in the database for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. He's either deceased, released from custody, or in a state mental institution. So I must confess, this is the first story I've ever covered where I had interactions with a subject. Yes, years ago, Billy Neighbors and his father, William, were customers where I worked. His father was a nice man, but Billy, as I described, was obviously off mentally. At the front of the store where I worked was a photocopier. Billy would often come in to use the photocopier. On one occasion, I decided to take a peek at what he was copying, and it was junk mail. Mail that you'd typically throw away as soon as you received it. Billy was photocopying it, and I asked him, Billy, why are you photocopying junk mail? And he replied something about the CIA or FBI, I guess they're following him through his junk mail. My coworkers and I all assumed he was harmless. Resources used to research this story, the Bakersfield Californian. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another notorious Bakersfield story. Until then, stay safe, stay out of trouble. Don't become a future episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. Just helping you out with your facts there.